Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1360 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday evening into Friday here to begin the month of December. And if you listen to this podcast, this is actually going to be part two of two with my friend Tower Jones. If you missed it, part one should be available in your feed right now. And I would definitely encourage you to listen to these in chronological order, part one before part two. But a deep dive with Tyler, always fun to talk to him. It's kind of the voice of the Hawks fan and uh, always fun to talk to him in any capacity, much less about the Hawks. Also, we have injury updates on that part one about John Collins and DeAndre Hunter and much more about the Nuggets game on Friday, etc. So listen to that. I appreciate you checking out the podcast as always. And after the intro, I'll be back with myself and Tyler. You are locked on Hawks. Your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Somebody asked me today on Twitter, and I wasn't being mean about it at all. It was just like, they have 14 guys on the roster right now. They have, they have an open, open roster spot. Like, they could sign someone. And they probably and they probably need to sign a big. They honestly probably do need to get another guy on the roster that's either at least power forward size. But and Landry, I think to his credit, I asked about it at media day, and Landry admitted on the podium into the microphone that it was about money as why they only why they only had fourteen guys. They were they were watching the luxury tax. And by the way, that's an ownership decision. That's not a Travis and Landry decision. That's an ownership decision. But. So like, and you know, people ask about like College Park and stuff. So they have to have, they have to sign anybody they use from College Park. They have to sign and pay. Like Real you can't just like call an eye from College Park. I know it's kind of a weird rule with the way that that works, but like they can't call Chris Silva and just put him in the game. Like they have to sign him to a contract. Um, so yeah, I think that they probably need to get somebody else now, especially if Jalen's got that ankle. I don't know. What, I don't know about Jalen's ankle. He was he was with the team, so I don't think he's like long term out. Yeah. But if he if he can't play. And Kaminsky looks not good. So uh, they need some depth in the front court. Yeah, you know, it'd be nice if they used the mid-level or, you know, all the options that are available to them as an NBA franchise to sign a quality (laughs) Or even have 15 players. I mean, because the thing is, if they they had 15 guys, I'm pretty sure they would have used that spot on at least a power forward size player. Like they had – that was more Harkless' spot. And they – Obviously, traded more Harkless to save money to get Big Krejci and also save money. Um, but they could use another just a. I mean, Glenn's been saying it like in kind of joking fashion about Shawnee Brown. They could use Shawnee Brown right now, like 100%. They could really use Shawnee Brown. And, like, you know, like, I, I just don't know. And this is, I think this is another point. Like, every, like, fans, like, why, why are fans like feeling like this anxiety? Is because, well, you're, you're watching Herder have the time of his life in Sacramento. Amazing what ball movement and will, will do to a player. It's almost as if a basketball player plays better if they're in a more defined role and they have a function on a team. Uh, well, we While we run the Trey Young offense or whatever. But, like, I, I feel the frustration because, like, we give up three first-round picks, two of them unprotected first, uh, another one – a Charlotte pick, which is going to be two seconds, so it's really two. That's the camp. That, that that's that's the Cam Reddish pick. By the way. Yeah. So, so like we trade two unprotected first. That's a win. Now we're trying to win right now. Move. Yep. And then we follow that up by trading Kevin Herter. We not only did we trade him, <laughs> we traded him 
before the market even materialized for his position in his in his like play archetype when when his contemporaries are making 25 plus million dollars a season and you know how good he is great he's not in a 25 million dollar role but you know the talent is there you just trade him like you don't trade him for a like talent you trade him to get under the luxury tax and now you're in a situation where i'm like how how can this Hawks team get better if they're not willing to commit real money to improve the roster and improve the team? Like, I, 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 I mean, I look at this coaching staff. Like, even it goes even farther to the coaching staff. I'm like, Nate McMillan, like, if Nate McMillan wants to be the head coach, that's fine. Hire an offensive coordinator or something just to get the because you know, you know, you don't have the spacing that you did last year. Nate wants to play a certain style that's cute. We don't have the pieces for it. We do well, not have the spacing to play this type of offense. Like it's this is such a like I'm like hire a real coach. So like or I agree. I, no, and that's 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 the thing about like more flow to the offense. It, it's understated. If you're not like a total diehard, you wouldn't be thinking about this. And I get why, but like even just the progression of assistance, and this is not a negative thing about Joe. Pro. Joe Party's a pro; like he's been around forever. Mike Long- Mike Longabardi is a good coach. He's a defensive guy. Like all of their offensive scheme guys are gone. It went from Lloyd. They they went from the coaching staff. Like they 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 took like they fired Lloyd, which we get. Argue back and forth. Should they? Shouldn't they? I, no, it's I no, think. it's fine. I mean, it worked out fine. I mean, that's it, no it worked yeah, out great because fine. they made it to the Eastern Conference Final. Nate McMillan was the steady hand this that team needed for that moment. But they had offensive coaches who, I mean, knew the, the exactly best case scenario, where but... these guys needed to be on the floor. Well, and that's like, the thing about it. For young, that's the thing about it. Like, if you wanted, if you just wanted Nate, let's just say, for instance, like we wanted Nate, fine. The best case scenario for Nate was actually Nate with Lloyd's assistance because Nate had guys that had already designed the offense that they ran better stuff with the previous regime. Now, other, there were other issues, obviously. The locker room was lost. That was very clear. Nate was the steady hand. The, I mean, it's a meme now, but the calm, cool, and collective stuff works. Nate is good at that stuff. But Melvin Hunt, Chris Gent, those guys were offensive designers that they don't have anymore on the staff. And it's not like, again, it's not me bad mouth anybody on the staff now, but Nate brought in his guys and Nate's guys think like Nate. They're not offensive innovators. Like I would love, love, love if Nate had a proven, like obviously the, the dream scenario is like 75 year old Mike D'Antoni comes and be, it comes and sits down next to Nate. But like, like, like he did, like he did for Steve Nash in Brooklyn. When it was like, why is he a statistic coach? Like, this is weird. But like somebody like that, it doesn't have to be Dan Tony, but like somebody that's will just has enough standing to actually like be in charge of the offense and have Nate be the CEO. And that's that would work because, like I said, I don't think Nate is a terrible coach, and I'm sure people are now mad at me for saying that when they were mad at me for being too low on Nate two years ago. Now I'm too high on Nate. Nate's the same guy he's always been, man. Nothing's changed. Nate's the same guy. <laughs> it's just that. They, but, they, but to me, like, to me, I'm like, I, I look at this coaching staff and I'm like, this is a reflection on ownership and management. Like, are, do we not have the resources to find, like, you have to, there is no way people, 
within the Hawks organization don't understand Nate's flaws as a head coach they or do. like Nate. I mean, there was a report. I mean, I, there was a report. Remember the report from Chris Kirshner of the athletic last year after the playoffs when he reported and listen, he's, a, he was at the athletic and was plugged in. He reported that the organization basically knew that they were almost drawing dead in that series because it was a, in part because of Nate versus Spolstra and listen, Spolstra is awesome. So like, that's what is what it is, but, and there's a history there too. Like Nate couldn't beat him, couldn't beat him in Indiana either, but that's only and it, and that's a one-off, but like I'm assuming that Chris got that from somebody in the, on the organization that thought that. So somebody there understood, even in that one playoff series, that like we're at a disadvantage here schematically. And obviously, this that's different than going for a full a, for a full season. But I'm not an X's and O's genius. Like I I rely on people like Glenn. Like people are smarter than I am. I watch a lot of basketball. I know what's going on. Glenn's a lot smarter than I am about this stuff. Everybody kind of notices. Like people around the league. I I've been purposely the last few weeks asking around people that I trust, like, Hey, what do you think of the Hawks? Like schematically, like forget, forget players. Like how are they running there? And everybody's kind of like, it just looks like a Nate McMillan offense, which is not a positive thing. Like, it's just like, it doesn't match. It doesn't match personnel. And that's the thing about if you have perfect personnel, it can work, which, which we saw last year, but it's, it's the slow cascade from better stuff to last year. They still had Trey and personnel and, Trey's still awesome. He's having kind of a shaky year for him. He's still, by the way, a shaky year for him. He's averaging like 28 and nine. Like Trey's really good, man, but it's, it's the slow, it's everything. And the luxury tax is the obvious punching bag. And I'm guilty of that too, because it's in fear. I mean, I'm not a fan anymore. You are, you can speak to it more than I can. If I was a fan of this team this summer, I would have been furious. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and December is here now. The NBA season is in full swing with plenty of football, hockey, and other action going on as well. Bet Online is the number one source for all the wagering information you're looking for, as well as stats, news, and analysis this season. You can get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there at Bet Online. That includes the latest in football, basketball, of course. They have soccer and esports and golf and tennis and auto racing, horse racing, World Cup stuff. It's definitely full swing right now, as well, taking over the entire world, basically, when it comes to sports. And Bet Online is also very useful, engaging the latest on the Hawks. They have the latest odds and lines they're looking for, uh, you know, spreads, totals, money lines, also future stuff on the team side or individual awards. Bet Online is also the fastest and easiest way to get your sports betting fix. If you love sports podcasts, you can also find that at Bet Online as well. Check out Bet Online right now on your mobile device or your computer to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. Bet Online, where the game starts. Right, I feel like I feel like an idiot. You make you make the move to get Dejounte Murray, <laughs> just immediately trade Kevin Herter for nothing, and I'm like, well, I just feel stupid for rooting for this team. Like, what's the point? Like, are we ever going to pay the tax? Like, well, and, and song and dance again next off season with. Bobby? I was going like, to say you you and I talked about this already. Next, and I'm not trying to be a fatalistic person. This coming summer, there was already a report. Mike Scott reported it. Mike Scott was a good reporter, and he reported already. The Hawks have been linked to moving one of, at least one of, Collins, Bogey, and Capella for the tax. Because, by the way, if they just run this group back, they're over the tax without adding anybody else. So if everybody, if it's October and November and people are already like, by the way, the Hawks are going to go under the tax for next year? Like, we're already doing this? We're doing this 10 months ahead? It's like, how, you, how, you, how are you ever going to build the roster to compete with, the best teams in the NBA. If if we're going to keep, if you're going to continue to push the luxury tax bill down the well, like 
like, look what the Celtics did. The Celtics come off a title run, best team in the Easter Conference, have a great core, and they add to it. And they're paying the tax, and they're happy to do it. But, like, you look at the other end, like, the Golden State Warriors, granted, they have the biggest luxury tax bill in the league. They lost key veterans, and now their bench is way worse, and they're in the worst position than they were last year because they don't have the infrastructure in the bench to support their team. So it's like like teams that get – the way to get better is to add talent while retaining the guys you already have so you can build an offensive you know, offensive and defensive team-like structure. But, you know, the, like we come off a season where we get smoked by the Heat. I mean, that's just what happened. They, Miami Heat, who aren't relative talent-wise, pure talent-wise on the floor, really aren't that much better than the Hawks. If they were better, like they even with all the injuries, like I still think that series should have been more competitive than what it was. Like you still had a Congo out there. You still had Trey Young. And, and like, like how how can you watch that? How can you watch that? Be like, all right, we need we need to get another ball handler on this team. So we get Dejounte Murray, but we're gonna take away Trey Young's uh, weapons and his spacing, so that everybody's just gonna be worse offensively. Like it's just it, it, like this team knows better, but it's like, well, you know, we don't want to pay the tax, and it's like, well, if 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 that's a primary concern, how good can you possibly be? Like. How many the Hawks have lost too many games this season due to their lackluster bench? Like that's the issue. Like the starters, we can nitpick the Collins Capella fit. We can talk about DeJounte and Trey. The but starters been good. have been good. Correct. They've been good. Yeah. Our bench, they, what what the Hawks are bringing off the bench is nothing compared to the other teams in the NBA. Hawks have one of have one of the worst benches in the NBA. And it's like it's combination of personnel scheme age youth with you know veteran unproven like vets like Aaron Holiday who's basically still relatively a young guy but it's like you setting this team up to be the same exact team they were last year where they're gonna ultimately this team is only gonna go as far as how healthy Capella can be like that's that's a situation where you put the Hawks have all this talent but at the end of the day because of the like just because of the nature of this offense and the nature of the defense like how important it is for Capella to be on the floor because our our wings can't grab a single rebound like you know it, Capella is just so overly important and he's like it's the Rudy it's the Rudy Gobert issue like there's going to come a time against a team where you're going to play a team where you're really going to want to have Capella off the floor but you can't do it. They can't do it. No, and then honestly, to back you up, there are two guys, two guys on the team right now that have what I would describe as significant on-off splits. You can guess who they are. Trey click, Young, click, 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 Capella and Trey Young, and like those guys play together, which is part of it. But they also play together, which is part of it. Those two guys are the most. And I, I'm not saying that Clint Capella is better than Dejounte Murray at basketball. I'm not. He has been better and more valuable to the Hawks this season than DeJounte Murray has been. And you gave up two unprotected firsts, and you've put DeJounte in a situation where he's not clearly the number two guy on this team. Like, I know what it's – I know he's averaging – his average – like, he's – I think he's yeah. still averaging – and he obviously is an offense. Like, he's he, – he, he has a usage, but it's like – I'm talking about raw impact on the team. You give up two unprotected firsts, you're expecting an all-star caliber basketball player, and that's not what they've gotten. 
in, no, part, he, in, part, in part, in part because one, I don't think this scheme is getting the best out of him. And two, he's playing with no spacing. Like you're putting out him out there with lineups that aren't going to work offensively. Well, that's, and, some, like, of the, that's some of the problem. Him and him and Trey have similar issues with the lack of spacing. Um, I don't, I don't mean this in a mean way to DeJounte. Trey is just better than DeJounte is. So Trey manages it a little bit better than DeJounte does on offense. But the same problems we talked about with Trey and not having spacing around him also apply to DeJounte almost worse. Like we talked about the lineups with DeJounte. You know, DeJounte has been playing with AJ a decent amount. But like he's been having to deal with Trent Forrest. And he's been having to deal with, with Aaron Holiday. And he's been having to deal with Jalen Johnson more than Trey has been. Because at least Trey is usually playing with DeAndre Hunter, and he's usually playing with Capella, who just is a monster and everything. But I don't know. I I don't. I, it's not even being negative about Dejounte. I think Dejounte has been like slightly below what he should be so far, but not like he's been terrible. He hasn't been. He's had he's had a couple bad games for sure. But like he's yeah, been he's been fine. He's been fine. Like he's, he's been overall, fine. Like, I'm I'm still ha- I'm still happy the Hawks got him. I'm just yeah. I'm I'm just annoyed that. The Hawks didn't pair him with Kevin Herter. I'd love to see Dejounte Murray next to Kevin Herter, next to AJ Griffin. Now That's I'm gonna good... I'm, I'm gonna be positive now, just for one second, Tyler. Just just to, just to get it on the I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna spit it because we're gonna talk about AJ and you asked me to talk about it, talk about AJ at some point. I, I want to just say, if Bogey is Bogey, he will help him a lot in a lot of different ways. And now that that is a question. Bogey has not played basketball in a competitive capacity since april and he was dragging his knee around then that was seven plus months ago so i think people need to be careful expecting too much out of bogey especially early on but at a bare minimum bogey even with half a knee is a good nba basketball player and he can shoot the heck out of the ball and like i do think that as much as you and i agree on the herder thing it's looked worse because they haven't had bogey too so the hope would be if you're going to put on your optimist hat, the hope would be Bogey and AJ having two real shooters, two real wings who have real talent on offense to go around, to go around your, your guys and Trey and Ajante. That would be fun. Cause I mean, you, we've said it all the time back in the day, there was always talk about how the Hawks couldn't, couldn't play Trey Herter and Bogey together. Yet whenever they did, it always worked. <laughs> best line, always the best lineup. Let them so got them to the conference finals. It's Might just have been for the NBA finals, you know. But right, it's just one of those things. So like, but, but we had what we had in Cam Reddish. So I understand that's a whole other issue. We'll say for another day. But I I hope that the combination of getting Bogey back and honestly, I think AJ is going to play more and more and more. Like you know, the Hunter thing right now, obviously, is going to play more just because of that. But even when Hunter's back, I think AJ is going to AJ and Bogey become your backup wings and now you have you have five perimeter guys that you are going to lean on and it's the two lead guards AJ Bogey and Hunter and then you'll play somebody else whether it's Aaron or whether it's Trent Forrest or whether it's Justin whoever but you have five perimeter guys AJ being the fifth that you presumably will want to lean on and that's a pretty good foundation to have five of those guys on the perimeter. And you can trade off Drain Ajante. And like the lineups make a lot more sense when you have Bogey and AJ. Like that combination really helps. I know AJ is 19 years old, but he's he's already playing well enough to be in that group. 
And what you really like with Bowie is he brings his own offensive system because you're going to run screens for him. You're going to cut and he's going to like, if he's healthy and he's good to go, he's going to be somebody who can involve a Congo who can involve in Jalen Johnson because he's yeah. always moving and he's going to require, you know, DeJounte Murray and even Trey young. We, we've seen it. We've seen it with Trey young too. Like, he requires those guys to be active participants in the offense because Bogey is kind of an offensive. He's he's very much in the Kyle Corver realm of, I mean, he's more he's more than just like a pure spot up three point shooter. Like he's somebody who's going to move, create opportunities for others. Like, and we've seen the best of what what that can do. That can really, you know, boost the offense. So like Bo, Bogey really is a big deal. Like he's Bo, if if you're not a Hawks fan, you listen to this podcast just to for whatever reason, like Bogdanovich has been incredible for the Hawks. And like, they're really going whenever to, he's they, he- whenever he's healthy, he's been great. Yeah, agreed. So yeah. and he's, he's been a great pickup for this team. And like, he should help combine with, you know, AJ Griffin's. I mean, he's been, AJ Griffin's been great. Like it, it's hard to have really many complaints about him um, as a basketball player. Uh, no, I mean, even, as, even I, even yeah. I, like I, uh, I famously, I'm not high on rookies. But AJ, even defensively, like he's not he's not good yet. But he's for a nineteen year old rookie man, like he's he's been fine. Like he's active. He's he's, he's pesky. He's pesky. Yeah. He gets in passing lanes. He gets steals. Like he'll he'll he makes he makes plays on defense. And like also, he's very good at using the fact that he's two hundred twenty five pounds. Like he's very good at walling guys off at you know, and no turnovers uh, on offense. Like he he, t- he takes care of the ball on offense. And part of that's because he shoots a lot. But like they want him to shoot a lot. Like he should have a green light and he does. He gets up threes. He's taking like half a shot from three point range. He's obviously a great shooter. He's more than a shooter too. Like he's clearly got some verve off the dribble. Like the, the next thing for him is like getting all the way to the rim. That's the next question for AJ. Like what he, whether he can do that, but his mid range game is already good. Like he, did you see the, the double pump pull up that he hit last night in Orlando? Like he got caught in the air. I, I saw like he, he, he wasn't oh, trying to do that. He wasn't yeah. trying to do that, but like he got up there. He was like, this is going to get blocked. And he pulled wow. it. And still oh, shot it anyway and made it. And I'm like, guys can't do that, man. That's that's not a shot the guys make. Like and he made it like calmly. It was like, all right. He has a lot, he, he's got a lot of that. He's got a he's got a nice little uh fadeaway where it's very um reminds me of Joe Johnson. It's a it's a different angle than Joe shot it. Yeah. But like he's very good at using his shoulders to create separation when he when he uh when he doesn't have his handle anymore. Like uh he's very good at creating separation with his body to get himself in prime shooting position and, and to make the shot like AJ, for both for his age, uh, like just, he's only 19 plus he's a rookie. Uh, and just like the talent that he has, like he's got, he's going to be a very good basketball player for a long time in this league. Cause he's already yeah. good. And so that's exciting. Somebody asked me this the other day. I want, I want to know what you think. Assume AJ has no health issues. Because he hasn't so far. Like he had the he had the pre-draft stuff, but he's been healthy since he got here. Looks great. 19 years old. Assume a regular health thing. What uh how many how many guys are more important to the future? Let, let's say the three to six year future of the Hawks, Andrew Griffin on the roster. Trey's number one, obviously. How how far do you have to go down to get to AJ? Not very far. <laughs> I don't well, think. No, because you think about it. I was, I was going to say, I think he's in the top five. He might be high. Like, he I think it's even higher, high. honestly. And, yeah, I, and I, 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 honestly, because of like the because like he has the potential to actually be good on defense as well, plus his size and his shooting and his handle. 
like I don't, for, I don't mean to. Te- I, I'm not gonna. I'm not saying that he's going to be this. And I, I always try to keep people from going too crazy about young guys. Like, but we can. AJ Griffin could be a multi-time All Star. Like, yeah, he, he has that profile of a guy where he could average twenty efficiently as a six-six wing who could play good enough defense. Like, I know people have been talking about Chris Middleton recently. That's a pretty decent comparison for him. That's it's not a bad, it's not perfect, but like I get it. Like that kind of player, like where Middleton's like a multi-time all-star, like a top 35 guy in the league, probably maybe even higher. Like he could be that. And that's beyond it being a, a heist in the draft. Like if, if if he has that kind of ceiling, that's really important because as much as you as much as I like a Kong Wu, as much as I like other guys on this roster, like the only guys on the roster that can be that level of good, even in the future, are the two guys that are already a little good on the roster and training yeah. Jante. Like I, I think AJ's ceiling is higher than anybody else's on the, on the team. So that, that's not something we would have said um, when the Hawks drafted him either. Like, it looks that, great. I mean, that's a, that looks like, a, I mean, Travis is it's very, had, it's that's very, obvious. it's very obvious uh, watching him now that he was not healthy at all during that Duke year. Like he just, he looks like, like, he, had, like he did in high school. He looks like a, He's got his quickness back. Like he, yeah. he just he can move his feet. Like he couldn't move at all. You see, year. you see it, you see it on defense too, but you especially see it with a ball in his hands on offense, like not a spot up. When he gets the ball, like he can attack now and he's got yeah. more juice. Like he's not ever gonna be like the most explosive guy going to the rim. That's not really what he does. But he can get where he wants to go now in a way that he wasn't doing that much at Duke. And I purposely have asked people that saw him play more high school than I did to be like, is this kind of what y'all saw in high? Because you know he was the number one guy in that class for a while in high school, and this is like people are like, yeah, this is this is what he was in high school. Like this is what he's supposed to be. And knock on wood, like the injury stuff and the health stuff, but like he looks fantastic. Looks and I mean, cool. it's crazy. Uh-huh. Like I, I I did not think by the end of November of this season that I especially would be like, got to play him as much as possible. Like that's crazy because like I expected him to be yeah. not bad because he can shoot, but like I thought he was gonna be like, all right, they need AJ to shoot some until Bogey gets back. And now it's like AJ Griffin is already an NBA rotation player at 19. That's pretty good, like a real one. I, 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 not not just in the, in the way that he's actually playing. He's actually like should be a rotation player. Like he could he could play anywhere because he's six seven and he's thick and he's strong and like he does have weaknesses defensively still. But like I think in two years. He'll be fine. Maybe even better than fine. His weaknesses defensively aren't due to a lack of athleticism or a lack of ability. No. A lot of it's it just, like a lack it's just of rookie knowledge. stuff. It's like, rookie it's stuff. A lack of knowledge. Like yes. the Cavs game, they were like the Cavs game. I wouldn't even say he was playing that poor of defense. Like Donovan Mitchell is playing incredible basketball right now, but I thought he had some possessions where when he knew what to do and where to be, like he was, he was given, like he, he did a decent enough job, like during that Cavs game, like he did his job enough to the point that, you know, they were like, and I, and I enjoy, and I really like that for a rookie, he was willing to take on the challenge. I mean, great. He has to, because he's playing next to Trey. Going up against Donovan Mitchell, one of the best attacking perimeter players in the NBA, like, and he was he was willing to get like and he was getting beat, but he was getting right after it like next play. And I'm like, that type of mentality is what I I really like the mentality that he plays with as well. Like it's very 
I'm confident in my game. You know, it's something that they're not getting from Makongu and they're not getting from Jalen Johnson right now is confidence. Like, and that yeah. carries so much weight. Like, it's so important to be like, because we're seeing we're seeing what it looks like offensive for unconfident John Collins. Like, he's a, he's a better offensive player than what he's shown, even with the role that he's in. Like, he he's he's been in this role for a couple of years now, and he's just like, for whatever reason, like stuff is not clicking for him the way that it, that it typically has. But you look at AJ. He comes in the game. I mean, Nate put him in the game in the fourth quarter to try to start a comeback, play 12 full minutes in the fourth <laughs> quarter after not playing at all. And it's and AJ played as if he was the starter. Like that's that's just his mentality. He's con- he's so, he's confident. He plays he it, plays a valid time. He does. Like a lot of it remind like the it, his age and his shooting profile and his in his very good handle. And he does make he just makes good decisions with the ball in his hands. It's hard not to be high on on his future. So, like that's the that's the positive. It's just, man, if he, if they would have known about AJ, <laughs> give DeAndre Hunter this contract. Uh, that's a whole other. I mean, I don't know. But also, but also, like, he, if if you're gonna trade Herder, couldn't you have just waited, like? Just waited a couple months, like I, I, you know, to see what you have in your in your guys, like to see this team and be like, you know, maybe we could do something else with Kevin Herter potentially. Uh, but I don't know. It's just I just feel like it, it's just. Um, I really wish. Uh, I really wish I had more hope in this franchise than I do right now because I don't trust right now. If you're asking me, I don't trust management is going to make a move whatever move they're going to make for to improve the roster like that's just that's just reality like i just don't trust this organization right now and so like i i can be in the moment hyped and excited for aj griffin while also being like well they've they've done this like i've, I've seen them i've seen this is not the first time wrestler has broke has needlessly done stuff for money purposes like this iteration of a team like he did it before with Al Horford, so I'm I'm like, I'm kind of I'm kind of like, you know, this is the second time he's got me, and it's like, Al, Al, by the way, Al just Al just signed a new uh, two year deal after they wouldn't give him five years six years ago. So, just want to say that out loud. Um, no, it's I understand I understand because like, and I people have I think confused front office and ownership a little bit. And Travis is Travis and Lance, they're not perfect by any means. Like I, I've been accused of picking on Travis before for saying some, I didn't like some things that they've done. Like they're not perfect. They've made some moves that I did not like. Um, but like my fundamental, especially if you, you put your fan hat on, if I'm a fan, like my number one issue is like, don't, don't say repeatedly how much money is not going to be an issue for you. And then make moves that are so very clearly designed to not go over the luxury tax for money purposes. Like, you, you hamstring your front office when you say we are going to win now and we are going to make changes. And like, as soon as the season ended last year, it was like very clearly drumbeat, like stuff's changing. We're getting better. We're winning now. We're, this is not tolerable, but Oh, by the way, not paying the tax. And it's like, well, we're already at the tax line. So like you want to, you want to make changes. We already have so much money committed to the future. 
I, I, I can't get better and also save money. I, that's really hard to do. And like, yeah, m- maybe there was a move out there that they could have made that was different. But the fundamental starting point of that is ownership saying no. And then, I mean, th- these are not comparable, but like little stuff like selling draft picks multiple times. It's like, and I know people get mad at me, like, for, but like, that's something that's like, I think I find that to be indefensible. And like, you could certainly say that, a pick in the forties isn't going to change your life. And I get it. I do understand that, but like, it's the principle of like, there is no basketball reason to sell a draft pick. And Brad, look at this Hulk's bench. Well, that's what I'm saying. That team stock their bench with second round picks, hopeful guys, so they can be in their system for a couple of years. So that, you know, uh, if you can, if, you know, like if push comes to shove, the injury happens or something happens, you have a guy who's been in your system for a couple of years who you like because you drafted him, who will be there. You know, like a um, a Bruno Fernando type, just throwing a name out. Well, to, to, I, I, I love. By the way, I love that the Hawks traded Bruno Fernando for Dylan Wright. Great trade. Then let Dylan Wright go, and now Bruno Fernando is kind of shown to be a decent caliber backup big man in this league. Well, if you go down the list of like all the guys that the Hawks have had on their roster that they could have kept on their roster, and the Bruno thing is different, like you just said. But like, it's more, it's they, more. They could, they could have Delon Wright on the roster right now, and like maybe Delon wanted to leave. He wasn't. He wasn't restricted, so they had the cover of like you know he did sign somewhere else for a bunch of money. They could say that, but yeah, they they clearly skimped on the bench this year, and that's part of the deal when you go get a guy like Murray and don't pay the tax. But that second part is up to you. Like that's, it's under your control. So, I mean, even coming, coming into the year, even if they had perfect health, which by the way, no teams have perfect health. That's just not what happens. But even if you have perfect health, they already had questions in the rotation. Yep. And then you got guys on this team that have had injury stuff before. DeAndre Hunter has not been the, the picture of durability in his career. Even Collins has had a few things along the way. Last year got banged up. He had the ankle thing a few years ago. Like he's not been like injury prone, but he's missed games. Like guys miss games. Capella's got feet stuff. Missed like ten to fifteen yeah. games. Yeah, Capella's always got like something nagging somewhere. Um, you know, Trey's been incredibly durable for a guy his size in particular, but just in general. But you know, you can't bank on everybody being healthy. And this is obviously a perfect storm situation. But there's a chance on Friday playing a good team at home on December 2nd, they're going to be fielding a team that's like Trey DeJounte and a whole lot of prayer. Like they don't have, they, they got seven or eight guys in the injury report. Maybe more than that. It might be more like almost 10, but then you're going to like last night's a good example of this too. Yes. You had two injuries during the game, but both your two way guys were in the rotation last night before the Hunter and Collins injuries. Forrest and Culver played, in the first half last night, those are your two-way guys. It was November thirtieth. <laughs> it wasn't a back-to-back, and it wasn't like you had like crazy injuries. Like, yeah, Bogey's out. How it is in the protocols, but like it was kind of clustered up. But number one, you have fourteen guys on your team. Your fourteenth guy is Vic Krejci, who they don't want to play. Very obviously, they played him last night because they had to, but he, he hasn't played yet so far. And like you know, Frank Kaminsky, you signed because he was making the minimum. That's why he's not Frank Kaminsky. Anyway, we're, we're on the rabbit hole, but I don't know. It's a, I'm tempted to say like my opinion of the, 
of the team's outlook this year has not changed all that much. Like, I think I would go a little bit lower than I was preseason. Like, I had I had him at 49, 50 wins. I'd probably go, like, 46 or 7 now. Brad, here's the thing about this Hawks team. They're going to catch. Like, they're going to have a good stretch. I mean, honestly. As, as, if Trey and Capella stay relatively healthy, they're going to, like, the shooting, the, the three-point shoot is going to regress, and the offense is just going to look better as a result. Like, these guys are going to start making open three-pointers more consistently. If they get Bogey back, like, Bogey has consistently been the fulcrum of when this team, when he's relatively healthy, when he's going, that's just an added bo- bonus for the offense, and, and they kind of – and it kind of – uh steamrolls itself and so like i wouldn't even i wouldn't even say like I, I still think this team has a chance to be one of the to host home court in the first round of the playoffs but it's unfortunate that when they had good relatively good health that they didn't they didn't, they didn't win a lot they didn't yeah. capitalize. like they weren't no. they a they weren't but even before the three game went losing streak they weren't playing all that well the offense is a mess. The process is bad. Their offensive process is just bad, like bad habits. Um, and like they're getting – once again, we're getting guys who have been good basketball players underperform their talent level to start a season. Like it's just – it's kind of very similar to the last couple of years. And maybe that's just how it's going to be with Trey Young teams just because he's so – Trey Young's such an offensive reliant basketball player. If the offense isn't clicking, like it's just gonna be it's gonna be tough. So I don't know. I, I wish I was more like I feel like I'd be more hopeful about the season overall if I liked what I've seen from DeAndre Hunter. And I think he's just been okay. Like I he's been okay for him. I think he's I think he's I, been pretty good on defense and offensively, it's more of the same, is what I would say. Yeah, he's been pretty good with Capella on defense. A Kongu, like his, like I just feel like when he's or if he's playing the four, I just, it, I, I hate to bang the you know the rebounding drum, but like he can't rebound, man. He can't do he it. Cannot rebound, and like it, it's a big deal for this team. They can't grab a rebound when Capella's off the floor, and I and I will say he is rebounding better this year. He has a he has a defensive rebound rate of eleven point eight percent, which is still yeah. which is still just absolutely terrible. Right? But it was ten it was ten last year. So moving on, I don't I don't I don't want to trigger you for the rest of the night. Um, I don't want to talk about the injury. We'll get out we'll get out of here in a second. Um, no, I I agree. I mean, and I don't want to I don't I don't want to put too much on Bogey, but you said something a minute ago that I wanted to drive home. Even two years ago, when they made the famous run. In the second half, yes, Trey was awesome as Trey is want to be, but the two guys who really keyed that run were Capella and Bogey. Bogey, Bo- Bo- Bogey was the second best shooter in the universe for three months. He was the best shooter in the universe for, for my money. He was shooting fifty percent. I understand. Steph doing that. Steph's an alien, so I, I Steph Steph doesn't doesn't move from that spot. But the point is the point is what the point is. Like he was shooting fifty percent on volume for three months, and that's not sustainable for anybody even Steph, but like, and then Capella, and then the good thing is, if you want to be positive, this year, Capella, they can make a run with that guy because 
last year, Capella was still a good player. And there was the whole discussion we had about you and I did, other people did. People like Capella's terrible. Like, no, he's just not the same guy he was the year before. Like, you could still be good. Now, Capella, at this moment right here, December 1, Capella would probably be on my all-defense ballot. That's how good he's been. He's been incredibly good so far. This incredibly. Is, oh, and also, he's finishing his layups. Like, it's, um, you know. He was dunking everything he, last night. I was like, oh. complaining about Capella? Like, no. Because this is the guy I saw in Houston on offense. Dunking I, everything I, last night. It was, yeah, even so post, it, by the way, hold on. Actually, I just remembered something. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I might have blacked out last night. I'm pretty sure. Did you call for Capella post-ups last night? Did I, I see did. that on Twitter? I did. They were they were guarding him with uh, <laughs> um, with Dejounte Murray's mortal enemy, whose name I'm blanking right. Now. Paolo Boncaro. Yeah, they were guarding with Paolo, and like Paolo couldn't challenge his lefty hook. And I'm like, you know what? I, I was like, uh, we got all these injuries and this fourth quarter offense. Just is, run, it, uh, run, it through, run it through Clint, baby. Just, off, just keep Throw it down, dumping it down until they make a change. Like I, <laughs> and I'm like, if Paolo's going to be out. I, Honestly, it, it, it reminded me of uh, you, you remember that you remember in the World Cup or the Olympics. I think um, you remember when France was playing through Rudy Gobert in the post. <laughs> yeah, and it like and, and, it, and it was working, and it was it like was kind of felt like that last night. It was like wow, Clint Capella's like doing stuff in the post. It was kind of funny more than anything else. But I had somebody actually a Hawks fan that usually watches everything. But they were missing last night's game, and I had tweeted at the beginning of the game that Capella was guarding Boncaro, and Boncaro was guarding Capella, and he was like, "Wait, is that? Are you serious?" I'm like, "Yeah, he's." Like he's basically playing center for them because Bull Bull weighs 180 pounds. Like Boncaro is basically their center, which is hilarious, but it happened. And Clint, as he does against Giannis and everybody else, like he was good against Paolo because he's he's really smart, man. Like Clint's oh, I know we I love Capella. He's been so good this year. My heart is warmed by that, Tyler. Nothing else has gone right this season other than Clint Capella. Vindicating me after all these years. (laughs) I mean, this is the like I said, man, this is the guy. This is the guy. Like Capella's playing at the level. They played at for about two to three weeks when he was he was healthy for one moment his first like real year in Atlanta, uh, that Eastern Conference run. Like before he got hurt, I think against the Knicks where he hurt his back. Yeah, he was playing incredible basketball. I think he almost I think he made Eastern Conference Player of the Month. Like this is this is twenty twenty Capella. This is twenty points, twenty rebounds. Clint Capella lost guy. He's just not doing that because he's not playing the minutes and like he shouldn't be playing the minutes because. 82 game season and Akon was still pretty good and they want to develop him, but like Bell's been great. And uh with Collins out, like that's just that's just another that's even one less pressure on Capella, though. It really is guy. So like you're really gonna need Capella to you know be there um at all times because I mean he's been incredible. Uh I you know, I still wish he could, you know, make a pass or dribble just you know, like a functional NBA player, but yeah, he, I can't complain too much. You know, if he's going to continue to make these lefty hooks, can't complain uh, too know. much. Can't complain too much. Tower Jones, I like I might quote that uh, in the future. Um, no, I mean, we talked about a lot, obviously covered a lot of ground. Capella, they need him more than ever now without Collins. Cause you know, Collins has been really good defensively. I know for all the offensive talking yeah, for as good as Capella's been on defense, he's going to really miss Collins helping him out. Oh, everybody. Yeah, no, absolutely. 100% true. I mean, that's like Collins. Been, Collins is funny. I was having this thought because people might, I actually think Collins has helped his trade value because of how well he's playing defensively. And like smart teams would know 
you put him in a system where, you know, he's just a roller or that's his primary thing. Like he's going to be, a, he's still, he's still going to be an elite offensive player, but like he's been, he's been really like, he's been incredible on defense. And like, I mean, even last night, you know, before he got hurt, like Ben Carroll couldn't do anything against him. Like every time they got matched up, like Ben Carroll would try to move and he'd lose the ball. Cause he's so like, he's just so solid now on that end of the floor. And very good at help defense as well. Very good at, you know, cleaning the glass off the weak side and starting the breaks that they don't run because strange jumps, they don't want to push the pace, apparently. But like, Full circle. Imagine, I'm like, man, imagine if DeJounte and Trey just consistently pushed the ball up the floor like they did start the season. Um, the offense would probably be a bit better, but, you know, I'm I'm not the coach. I'm you're not. just you're just one man. No, I, I would have been – floored by this revelation but i mean without question collins has been better defensively than offensively this season like not even close and like that would have been unthinkable even like even two years ago much less four or five four or five years ago that i would have like closed the podcast but even two years ago when he was already getting better defensively he was still obviously an offense first player like this year's collins has been like genuinely good defensively and it's like kind of weird like people haven't caught up yet and i get why but uh, yeah, they're going to miss him a lot, especially on the glass. And we talked about it with yeah. Hunter, but even with Jalen, who has been a rebounder in the past, he's not really rebounding that well this year. And then you throw in like, they're going to have to play small more without Collins, whether it be holiday at the four or whatever. And then those lineups are like, it's basically like, please, please, please Clint bail us out. Cause otherwise they have no other way to get stops. Yeah, the, these what what ends up happening is these lineups is that they have to do a switching scheme because none of our guards can get through a single screen. Apparently, I you know I, it's it's they can't get through a screen. So Capella's like switching all out to the perimeter, and then like it's like people are surprised the Hawks can't grab a defensive rebound. Like uh, the Raptors game when Collins got when Collins fouled out. Um, off some nonsense from the officials, but like he fouled out of the game. They Hawks couldn't grab a defensive rebound. I still don't know how they won that game. Like the Raptors, I think it, the Raptors, even with how shorthanded they were that night, like maybe not have the ball in Scotty Barnes' hands all the time. Like if they would have done literally anything else, I think they cruised comfortably because the Hawks could not grab a contested rebound to save their lives. And that's kind of going to be the issue going forward with this team. So it's really going to be even more important that offensive, offensively they execute because I don't think they're going to have the defensive backbone that they've had to carry them throughout this. Throughout oh, they're, yeah, they're going to need to be better on they're offense. Gonna, I mean, they're going to have to score. They're just over, going to overall, they will have to be, as we talked about at the beginning of this podcast, but especially now, because again, like I would say, let's say the combined absences of Hunter and Collins, the bigger losses on defense there. Yep with this current roster because they can play lineups on offense, especially if bogey's back, they can score AJ being out there really helps that, but they can play some lineups that if you go small with shooting just inherently guys, they'll be able to score a little bit, a little bit easier, but you're trying to get stops with a lineup with lineups that have, let's say AJ Griffin and Justin holiday at the three and the four with Trey, like you're not getting a lot of the stops are going to be hard to come by unless Clint's just an absolute alien defensively. Right. So, right. Or 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 sacrilege, I know. Oh, they could just play a Congo at the four, 
in small stretches. I mean, I, I, I know, I know that'd be experimenting. It, it's the only experiment Nate apparently doesn't want to do this season. But okay, like, I, I have one. I would like to see that just as an experiment. Now, I, I don't think it's what I would want to do, but I do want to see them try it. And if they did it, it's a lot easier to do that when you have Bogey or AJ or both. Like, mm-hmm. one way to grease that would be to. I basically, I think you basically either either have to play those guys with both Trey and Dejounte. I or, think Dejounte has to be off the floor. Or I was going to say, or Trey, AJ, Bogey, and yeah. the two of them. I think that's the only way you could even possibly conceivably get that lineup on the floor. But I'm I'm just saying, I'm saying from a pure, we got to buy minute. Like to me, Brad, I'm just looking at it. I'm just looking at a big picture. I want a Congo on the floor more than I want Justin Holiday. Right, I, or or Jalen Johnson on the floor, or like name, and, and honestly, or Jarrett Culver on the floor. Like this is gonna sound crazy, but with how they're using John, they could kind of use a Kong with the same way. I mean, well, John doesn't have a role in offense. You might that's as well just. That, I mean, I, I, I would I, just steal the John Collins role of not doing anything. It's like, kind of a two way street there, screen. but because a Kongu can, a Kongu is at least willing to shoot an eighteen footer now. Like he'll he'll take it if he's open. Like you get, you have to play you have, you have to use him as a four spacer. I don't know if they'll ever do it, look, but we'll see. Look, space him out to the three point line. He doesn't have to shoot it. Just stand there. Just space him out there. You know, <laughs> you're not gonna. You, it's not. It's not as if this team's gonna suddenly throw him the basketball. No, li- literally make him PJ Tucker and just have have, have him stand literally in the corner of the court. Oh both, yeah, both both feet. All right, we gotta get we gotta get out of here because I, I have to I have to go do other things. But Tyler, thank you for talking to me for. Well, it's definitely going to be two two parts. By the time people listen to this, it's definitely going to be two, a two part episode. Anything to plug before we get out of here? Anything to plug? New uh, shows? Are you just watching soccer all day long, or what's going on? No, I'm I'm uh, I'm doing a lot. So I'm watching I'm watching football. Uh, please, please, you can call everybody. I'm fine with calling it soccer, by the way, but don't do not buy into this hype that uh, we like. You have to call it soccer or you have to call it football. Like nobody cares that much. But but please, please, American soccer fans, please stop with that embarrassing chant. That chant actively makes me cringe. Like it's like it's <laughs> called soccer. Like, please relax. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Well, there you go. Uh, but now I'm I'm watching, I'm watching a lot of soccer. Uh, you know, I'm watching anime. Bleach has been incredible. Uh Spike's family's been incredible. Like Chainsaw Man, list goes on. Y'all know, y'all know the deal. But I'm also reading Hunter Hunter is back. I know this doesn't mean anything to you, Brad, but like Hunter Hunter is back. And like I've missed, and like Togashi has revealed a revelation for the back for like this has been like a storyline almost 20 years in the making, almost roughly about 18 or so years in the making. So it's exciting to get a conclusion to this. Um, nice little story arc for us fans, for us, uh, <laughs> for us a oneers. Um, but other than that, nothing really new. But how about you, Brad? What are you doing? What are you looking? What what pop culture thing? Are oh you God! Doing? I know, I know. The last time I asked you this, you were like Top Gun Maverick, which I still haven't seen. I need. I, I've been meaning. I've watched it. Uh, I've watched it multiple times. It's it's on, it's, it's on planes now, so it's just like something you can watch on a plane. Uh, I don't. Man, I'm not watching anything. Oh, I did. I did. 
an effort to be a regular person. I watched the uh, the weird Pepsi plane documentary thing on oh. Netflix. <laughs> Do you remember that? No, I, I have no re- I have no recollection of, recollection of that at all. But it was it was a that was a cool little. Uh, Mini documentary thing. That was fun. I don't remember that Pepsi one. I do remember the McDonald's. I, do you remember the McDonald's story? Like the McDonald's. The, the McMillions thing? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I do remember that. Yeah, that that's the one I remember. But I, I can't believe they promised plane and lied about it. That's that's interesting. So I gotta I gotta check that out. I'm, I've been meaning to yeah, you could uh that was uh I will give that it's not like the best thing I've ever seen or anything, but it was certainly entertaining and I didn't know about that. So that's uh that's my pop culture minute for for the day, Tyler. That's all I got for you. Other than that, basketball, mostly, because it's that time of year. All right. Follow you on Twitter if people are able, if you if you allow them to, at Jonesy2x4. People, if we uh, still have Twitter. yeah. If we still have yeah. Twitter in the near future. Um, but, yeah, thank you for coming on, as always, my friend. We'll do this again soon, hopefully under some more optimistic circumstances. But we've got some positive stuff out there. AJ Griffin, Clint Capella. Look, man, I, I want to talk smack. Like, I, I'm, I'm chained up. I have to be like, nah, man, the Cavs are just better. <laughs> I, I gotta be like, oh, the Celtics are gonna run through the Eastern Conference. Like, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to, I don't want to be like, oh, the the Celtics are so good. Like, who? This the Celtics start thirty eight year old Al Horford, who I respect and love, who they they should retire his jersey. But like, I don't want, I don't be rooting for them like that. I don't, I don't want to be the Cavs. Oh, everybody loves the Cavs. Look at our Evan Mobley. He's so good, even though he has no offensibility. But, like, we love him. <laughs> he can't roll to the rim because he's seven foot tall and 203 pounds. But we love him so much. Oh, wow, he plays power four. Can't play a single minute of center. Great basketball player. That's 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 what, what it takes. Was, was, that, was that my voice you just did there for the last 30 seconds? Was that me? No, that was a simple Cleveland, Ohio Cavs. At, at, least, at least it wasn't me. No, nah, Cavs, Cavs have been great. Raptors have been great. <laughs> Hawks have been trash. So I can't. I nah, can't hey, even 12 and 10. 12 and 10. They're on pace for like 44 wins. It's been fine it's, so far. This same we'll team could have could have copy and paste last year, Pod. All right. Pod. On that note, I'm getting out of here. Thank you, Tyler, for being here as always. For, as for everybody else, please subscribe to the podcast. Uh, I'm writing again on Patreon. If you want to listen, uh, I guess read that. All the posts are free still, so check that stuff out. Uh, follow the show on Twitter. I'm on Hawks. Follow Tyler on Twitter. We'll see y'all actually after the game on Friday because the Hawks play in very short order. So Friday, home game, Hawks Nuggets. We'll see you after that.